Welcome to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hernan Murdoch. Today, we continue our conversation with Anthony Chan, an intern audit services manager at Vonia Global. In this episode, we talk about ways to control a room when making presentations, so suggestions on how to overcome the challenges of obtaining reliable data, what managers can do to help their teams leverage the power of visual analytics, and how reimagining our audit approach can produce extraordinary results. All that and more, starting now. Anthony, uh, it's great talking with you about uh, all of these things related to uh, data analytics and how we can basically leverage uh, our technology tools to visualize the information and the results. Now, there are a number of different things that sometimes uh, happen, and, and I've been in situations where as an observer or as the auditor, as consultant, in the middle of it, you start to run into scenarios where you start to think in terms of how you could have done things differently. And I'd like to see if we can approach that. One of the things that come to mind has to do with the tool being so powerful that you can uh, end up in a room where you're changing some of the parameters around it. So so uh, let's say you go into the room with uh, either a static image or you go in with a live data set and then you're going to start to change switches or, or parameters and, and things like that. So what is the advice that you have for people who have this very powerful tool at their disposal? How can they make sure that they are in control of the situation? That's a, that's a really good Good question. Uh, most important thing for me is setting boundaries. Boundaries with the, the tool, the meeting, or else you can just go haywire. Haywire meaning that uh, your visualization charts will be like frozen or glitching. So if you set the appropriate boundary with the tool, it can be very, very, very useful to look at specific scenario. So a concept of scenario planning. So during an audit process or a walkthrough, you look at, hey, what, what's a different scenario if we use this for the payables or the receivables? And so using the, yeah, the right appropriate tools with a dynamic set can really help with scenario planning and look at things that you need to scope in. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of good value in that as long as you set the appropriate boundaries. Now, as far as boundaries go, there's another dynamic that um, that I'm wondering what your thoughts are about. So, for example, you go into the meeting, and now let's say that we are not going to have the, the static result, which is, okay, I, I did my analytics, here are the charts, and I'm bringing it in, uh, in, maybe in a PowerPoint or something like that. But rather, you bring your live data, you have your tool with you, you have your laptop in the meeting, you have six executives in the room, and now they're starting to ask you, could you actually change this to that? Can you do it quarterly instead of monthly? Can you change this to be, uh, you know, multiple years or whatever it is? They're basically asking you to, to reshuffle the data live. Uh, is that something that you have run into? And how have you managed uh, to keep control of your meeting so that it doesn't drift away and, and, and you, you miss the opportunity to convey your message because it's gone, it's gone away from you? The early part of my career, that that's all I did. It's like, because that the, the manager or your uh, client, they tell you, so just do it. And then I realized after doing like 30 of these, I realized, well, then the meeting gets out of hand that the half hour, mm -hmm. the hour turns into like half a day and you don't get any a workshop. productivity. I used to call those, I used to call those instead of being a meeting or a presentation it turns into a workshop. <laughs> they should have called it the workshop from the beginning instead of just a meeting. <laughs> 
but that, that's that, right. that's the point. If you if you set the right boundaries and, and you know what the hopefully you know what the CIO, the CFO, the the manager or the facility person, whoever you're dealing with, understanding what they want and their needs before and prepare so that when you come in with a that dynamic data set, you know what to look for so that you can accommodate. Because I said a little bit earlier, the last thing you want is to start shuffling and then the screen freezes or uh, one of the executives or someone that's in the room uh, goes into a tangent, uh, goes into a tangent. And so really owning the room, controlling the, the workshop is, is very, very critical. Mm -hmm. um when, when you think about data and, and obtaining the data, because we are talking about what you do with it, but let's back up a little bit, because one thing that comes to mind is obtaining the data. And over the years, I've had so many conversations with practitioners who tell me that they have different experiences. Sometimes they have direct access to databases so they can extract themselves. Sometimes they have to go through someone, sometimes IT or other groups, uh, and so on. What has been uh, your experience, and I know it varies by organization, but I'm just curious about the diversity of experience that you've had as regards uh, or related to obtaining information. Uh, what, what what are some of the ways that you get it? Well, th that's actually one of the challenges. One of the challenges in data analytics and analysis from a data person like me that that's that's a big that's a big barrier because it it it, it can be in the ERP system or financial system but you may not know where it is. Um, or with, with the explosions of data across cloud systems, you have these lakes, you have these data ponds. And so now you're asking, well, which one is it? Is it the data lake that is for the AP I wanna use for this? Or the uh, financial planning analysis, the FP&A pond? And so, Understanding and finding which one to use is a challenge in itself. But the other challenge is also uh, trying to get access. Do you go through a ticket? Do you ask this person? So uh, a, a big challenge is, is the barriers in where and understanding uh, how to get the data. If the organization was using uh, cloud computing and they had a have a third party provider um, handling some of this, is that a scenario that you've also encountered? And what are some of the ways of getting it from a third party provider, like a cloud provider? Hopefully, uh, you, you have the good contracts, secure channels to get the information, uh, because a lot of time it, it is pretty difficult. Uh, with certain cloud providers, big names, they're not just going to give you it right off the bat. They want you to connect through a through an API, a BAPI, uh, or or you're going to have to fill out this form and we'll FTP it. There there are there are those barriers, there's hurdles. Uh, but if hopefully you know someone in IT or you know someone uh, at the company, and hopefully they can work with you to either. Uh, download the necessary tools, request the right instruments so that you can connect and get the data in a secure manner.
And, and th what you just described highlights the importance of something we were talking about earlier, which was there's a uh, customer service, building the relationship with the organization and making sure that you understand your audience, explaining why we need it and making sure you also have those connections within the organization so that they can help facilitate this process. And of course, we also have the, uh, let's call it the compliance tools, right? The contracts that are going to give you the opportunity to obtain that information that should also be there as well. But I think these are some of the things we also need to keep in mind. You've been in this field for a long time. Uh, have you seen an improvement in the quality of the data? We know there's more, so the amount is there, the quantity. How about the quality? Are you seeing an improvement there? Yes, yes and no. I, I, I always see data quality issues. With more data, you're always going to have data quality exception. So has has it improved? Uh, I I see both ends. I, I can, there are instances I can tell you no, but there's instances where if an organization's if they had set up a good master data governance program, a, a good governance for data, if 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 some of a structure, the people, the process, the technology, if all is there is is there, and then I say yes. There are a lot of instances, success stories. Uh, working with uh, Center of Excellence COEs that have been established. Uh, it has improved since I started back in 2006. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's very good. Uh, and and I, I'm always curious about that because that's one of the things in terms of the quantity and the quality. And sometimes you find a lot of data, but you have very hard time uh, getting good quality data that's going to be reliable. And that can present a big challenge because no matter what your intentions are, if the data is not there, you just can't do what you're what you're trying to accomplish. But I would imagine that to your point about IT and and just data governance in general, that this is again uh, in many cases even a potential recommendation even at the very beginning of the engagement. If for some reason there's no data to be had or what you're getting is of such poor quality, that in and of itself I think is an observation. Will you say? Yes, I, I, I've seen it with uh, even clients uh, today where. You, you, you observe uh, the data and you see the exception, but then you have to take it a little step further, as you mentioned earlier, is understanding, well, what, what are some of the reasons why, the root cause? And some of it may be because through mergers and acquisitions, the data has really made it through that way. And you're like, oh, okay, then would it be a bad idea to have a cleansing program or um, an activity where this gets refreshed and looked at? Oh, yeah. The, the, some clients will buy into that. If clients push back, then as, as someone that wants to provide value, you look at, okay, what can I do? Because at the end of the day, you, as an auditor, we're trying to say, hey, this, this data needs to get better, either from a compliance perspective or an operational perspective. Because if you're going to use this data for your budget to actuals or analyzing how much you're spending, you, you want to give that carrot, that uh, figurative carrot in front of the stakeholders to say, if you help clean this up, it's going to mean a world of difference to these people, uh, this department, this program. And, and when talking to management, I will imagine also letting them, uh, helping them understand that data helps them make better decisions. And to the extent that they don't have it, it may actually limit their ability to make good and well-informed decisions. So this is a very important take as well to, to be mindful of. Uh, let's take a break for, and we'll be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by ACI Learning. Are you looking for CPE credits, professional development, to continue your education, or a custom team training solution? Here at ACI Learning, we've been building high-quality training for over 40 years, meeting the needs of every learner. Our training solutions will keep you and your team engaged and motivated to learn, helping students stay sharp in their field and better serve the organization. Join thousands of global audit risk and compliance professionals. Visit ACILearning.com to find out how we're disrupting the audit learning space. So, Anthony, as we're thinking about the work that we have done, and you've been in this field for so many years, uh, I would imagine you have a number of experiences that relate to projects where some were probably very, very good and some probably not so good. So let's talk about some of those really good ones. Let's just be positive when we start this this conversation here. So what are some of the projects you will say that was one of the best projects ever and what made it so? I would say the best projects, I'll start out broadly, are those where you need planning and you need structure. Uh, because that that's the type of person that, that I am is like, I, I try to part the sea or I, I try to put structure if it's not there. So projects where it's new, uh, I remember when GDPR was first announced and it has to be in May uh, to be able to come up with a plan and execute on an audit against it. Uh, that was one of my favorites, really being able to put something from scratch. Uh, the, the second one will probably be uh, two instances of instant response. So something happened with a, with a client and I have to respond and come in and, and do what's needed uh, to follow the instant re- response plan. So that is semi-structured, but until you're actually in it, which you can't really plan a forehead, you know, those, those are very uh, full of adrenaline, but you, you, it's, it, it's, it's very, I, I think it's very cool because it's what you, what I ended up doing and providing value back. Um, the, those, those are some of my best projects. And I had a fair share of, of, of some bad ones. Uh- Couple of things I would like to 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 uh, circle back on before we go to some of those uh, you know lesson learned heavy uh, type engagements, but you mentioned a couple of things that I would like to circle back on. One of them is the structure and and, and the benefit of something like that, but also you touched on what I, I thought I heard you say creativity, right? B- innovation, being able to go into a scenario and use your imagination, your creativity to create something that may end up being a structured audit program but you are creative in the preparation of it. So would you say that that is one of the skills that auditors should probably really focus on acquiring so that they can then leverage that in the context of technology and visualization, data tool, data analytics, data mining, and all of that, but creativity being an early element in making the subsequent aspect of that possible? Yes, creativity, or another another phrase or word I would use is you know thinking outside the box. A, a lot of times it's like oh use this template, use that template, and it's understandable we're we're busy. But if if you sit down and and give it some thought, you know have some creative juices going, you might find some very interesting ways or maybe even productive ways to plan and actually execute your audits. And I think that this is important because uh, when we're thinking about, uh, you know, risk-based auditing, right, every scenario will be a little bit different. So we need to adapt to that reality, even if you're looking at manufacturing. You mentioned manufacturing organizations earlier. And I'm thinking, well, what you manufacture 
the amount that you manufacture, the location where you manufacture, and so many other things playing to that. So a manufacturing company is not like every other. So there's room for creativity even in that context. So that, I believe, is, is very, very important, something that we should probably really uh, emphasize. So I, I like that part of it. The other thing is in terms of those scripts, right, where we have people who say, well, just use this checklist or go follow these procedures, and you may be missing a lot of things. So the tool is there, ready for you to leverage its power but you are limiting yourself because your frame of mind is not in the right place. So I would imagine that this is probably a good advice for managers too, to try to encourage their, uh, their staff, their auditors to develop that creative side of them. Yeah, so to be able to look at new applications because at, at, once, at one point in time, maybe that checklist was, wasn't there. So someone had the creative juices to create one, okay. Now, you know, fast forward a year, fast forward five years, you know, don't don't lose sight of it, but maybe look at, you know, new applications or figure out, is it even applicable anymore? If this was for a on-premise server using this work plan for a, a on-premise server, but now you're in the cloud, then, you know, your, your checklist is you know, no, no longer applicable. Right. Very good points, absolutely good reminders. So, okay, so let's turn to those uh, not so good projects. So we spoke a bit about those excellent ones. So what are some examples of, uh, let's call it your worst project and what made it so? I, I would say the common theme in, in, in projects I, I don't take high regards are, are the ones where there is a certain amount of rigidness or uh, one, one example is joining an audit late. I'm joining into an audit where it's already started, and I'm I'm thrown in there because the they they needed somebody. Uh, so, so those type of projects where you get thrown in and it's rigid. Um, I've never been a big fan of those because you're you're dealing with a new team, you're dealing with personalities, uh, you may not be quite familiar with the work pro program, or maybe you I I don't agree with some of the steps. And so the the theme there is if if the the audit or the project is 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 too rigid. Um, some people may say it's it sort of stifles my creativity, um, or I, I I might get uh, turned off, and so my productivity is impacted. And which is basically uh, why I call those my worst projects. If my productivity is impacted uh, because of uh, the people process or or a particular technology I need to download, I can't download. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and that's, of course, uh, very important also for managers and team leaders to keep in mind when they are scoping out a project and when they are executing that on the project to have a mechanism to onboard people and to explain the rationale if, if, if that needs to be done. And I would imagine in many cases it needs to be done because otherwise we can end up in the situation that you just described where someone is brought in and they don't quite understand the context or it is so rigid when it probably didn't need to be so rigid. And, and uh, the example uh, of uh, you know early on SOX uh, engagements and, and other compliance reviews where it is so rigid when you're looking at so many other opportunities to add value, can we do that too, right? We need to be reasonable, but if we can add value, let's do it. The client will definitely appreciate it and it'll work out well for everybody. So when we're thinking about auditors who are fairly new, let's say they are starting out in this field and with all the things that have happened, are happening, and that we see and look forward to happening, what advice would you give someone who's starting out? 
the same advice I, I, I give the high schoolers that I talk to, college, uh, anyone that's young and, and, and green, is to really learn about the industry. Industry uh, agnostic is, is, what, is what I'm trying to say, is learn about manufacturing, learn about procurement, um, learn about how things, are, how widgets are made. If you have that inquisitiveness, I, I think that's a big, big part of uh, being proficient. Proficiency, one of the key areas from the IIA, is if, if you're willing to ask questions and, and, and learn something, that's going to make you a better auditor. Um, if, if, if you're someone that is, nope, I, I'm, I'm, I got to do X, Y, and Z, A, B, C, in that order all the time, then that's something that um, I haven't really seen um, be sustained successfully in people. So young people starting out in the field, learn as much about uh, a various industries as much as possible, uh, because that will help you, especially during the interviews. When, you, when you're interviewing for a position or interviewing uh, in a role, what do you know about my company? What do you know about procurement? What do you know about this? And if you can speak to it, that, that, those will give you the opportunities. Excellent. Very, very good advice there, of course, as we're looking in terms of how we can become, uh, how we can nurture not only that job, but our career going forward. So that's very good advice. So uh, when we're thinking about all of these different things that, that happen and all the complexity that you're dealing with and all the different tools and the challenges you encounter and uh, the need to uh, address different audiences from the operations staff, all the way up to senior management and all the way to the board. What makes you happiest and what motivates you to keep going? The ahas. I, I said it early on in my career with being a analyzing curriculum uh, student data is, is being able to bring the aha, the customer service, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, because when ahas come and it's the CIO, the CFO, and good decisions are made, a, that's value. That's value added. Two, mm -hmm. um, I, I get a satisfaction because I help make change. Because I, I personally believe change is important to, to improve. Because if, if, you, if you're not a, uh, a mechanism, uh, instigator of change, then nothing's gonna, nothing is good It's ever going to happen. So if I make change happen in a positive way, then it's going to have a downstream impact. Uh, to my clients, it may be, hey, it may be the sales team that I'm, I'm supporting. But guess what? If I su support the sales team, that might support or help the customers, the end customers. So I always look at it uh, ultimately who can benefit from my advice, my time, my talents. Excellent advice, uh, trying to make sure that we add value in everything that we do. Uh, we're not only protecting value, but creating value and that we're also going to help the organization and, and, and be part of that ecosystem that is going to uh, help the organization accomplish its mission. Anthony, it was a joy talking with you. Thank you very much for being so generous with your time and for sharing your insights. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. And a big thank you to our guest, Anthony Chan. If you're looking for more ways to stay ahead of the curve and earn CPEs, check out Audit Pro TV On Demand, subscription learning for auditors by auditors. Visit acilearning.com slash auditprotv. TV.